I want to ask you a very important question. Who in this room is sick and tired of reality TV? <laughs> Anyone? <laughs> I know some of you are going, wait, I love reality TV, right? No, but I have to tell you, there, there's something about reality TV that drives me nuts, okay? It's that every time, no matter what the show, no matter how it's packaged, it's always about me showing off my strengths and how awesome I am and how strong I am and, and how cunning I am and, and how I can play the game, right? And you know, it, it, it drives me nuts because I'm not that. <laughs> I'm not the strong one, right? If, if, if I was on one of those shows, I'd get eaten up. I'm telling you, they'd, they'd be cooking me over the spitfire, you know, trying to, yeah, we're going to get through another night because Chris is no longer with us. But, you know, all these, these things are designed to show us, to demonstrate that uh, um, the strongest and the bravest and the best of the best is what uh, these trials and these situations and, and this difficulty brings you to. And, you know, they, they often tie your worth as an individual to how well you do, right? If you're in the top three, you're like, superheroes, right? You're awesome. You're amazing. You've uh, accomplished certain things, certain feats that no one else has accomplished, and you could put that on your resume, right? But yet the rest of us in the real world all look up and go, why can't I be like that? Am I supposed to be like that? What's going on? You know, and if it were only a TV show, I'd say I, I don't really care, right? But we see these expectations in life all around us, right? It's kind of that survival of the fittest mode. I have to prove myself to be seen as accomplishing anything. You know, we're, we're obsessed with this higher, faster, stronger, right? I will show you my strength, and I will benefit from it. I will get the job promotion. I will get uh, the, the good spot in the parking lot, right? I will get this or that. I will accomplish this because I am strong. I am mighty. I have something that I can demonstrate to you. And you know, so often we carry that perception over to our relationship with the Lord. You see, God does have big plans that he wants to accomplish through you. He's looking for men and women to fulfill his plan, to fulfill his purpose. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 4, he, uh, uh, Paul gives us a glimpse into the heart and plan that God has for our world. This is what he says. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our God, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. That is his plan. That's what he desires. And, and he, it's amazing because... He wants to accomplish this big work through us. And you know, some of us might say, you know, okay, let's go and do it. Let's go uh, uh, tear it up. Let's go uh, uh, show our strength and show what, what God can do. And, and uh, God wants to use us for his plan, but we often think that our skills uh, are what God wants to use. That our abilities, our strengths that, that we would promote as wow are really what God wants to use to bring about his purpose in this world. 
And we think that's how God, God works. You know, if we're not the best and brightest, if we aren't influential, if we, if we don't have position, if we aren't good salespeople for God, He's not going to use us. And I mean, you know, you might say the gospel is an important message, right? This, this good news that we have to share, it should be done by someone important, right? And He says, no, that's not my plan. The truth is, You and me, we are not the strongest. I'm not the best. So what does that mean for my life? You know, we tend to give a lot of weight that if these expectations of greatness aren't met, it means there's something wrong with me. And if we we aren't the best, then how is God going to use us? We're lacking. It's kind of that go big or go home, right? And I'm kind of like, I guess I better go home, (laughs) right? But do you know how God works? Do you know the kind of people that God uses? Do you know how he gets his message out? 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 26 and 27 says, For consider your calling, brethren, that not many were wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Today we're going to look at that promise that he uses people like you and me for his plan. And you know, our greatest asset when it, when it comes to fulfilling his plan in this world is actually what we would call our weaknesses. We're going to look together at some of the reasons why we think that God can't use us for his plan. And we're not going to cover all of them because we as humans, we're very creative. We come up with a lot of reasons why God can't use us, right? But uh, he's going to show us that he's actually looking for weakness in order to fulfill his plan, in order to show his strength. So go ahead and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, uh, starting in verse 1. You know, even Paul had to fight against the perception that God could only be used by certain people. Okay, there's certain people in this world that God can use, and then there's certain people that, you know, we just kind of have to (laughs) wait it out, right? But we often think of the mighty apostle Paul as a man greatly used by God, right? That's true. God did use him to impact the world with the good news, not only in his lifetime, not only because of of his obedience to the Lord, but also throughout time, through the record that we have, through uh, the ways that we can hear Paul's voice and hear God's voice through Paul. But the church of Corinth, the church of Corinth wasn't so impressed with the apostle Paul. And uh, they were convinced, they weren't convinced that he was God's messenger. And this is in the second book of, of uh, Corinthians. So the uh, first book kind of dealt with a lot of the, the struggle that, that the church at Corinth was going through. And we talked a little bit about that last week. Things that we would be shocked at that would be going on in a church. And then uh, Paul kind of gives them some correction, some guidance. And I don't think they appreciated it all that much. 
You know, I, I think certainly some of them accepted it and, and uh, were trying to honor God and seeking the Lord, but there were doubts that were raised about God's work in Paul's life, about the kind of authority that he was on the gospel. Who are you to say such bold things to us? What gives you the right? And they doubted God's genuine work was being accomplished through Paul's life. And he writes to them in, in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1, I'm sorry, chapter 3, uh, in verse 1, it says, are we beginning uh, to commend ourselves again? He, he's saying, do we have to go through this again? We, we already addressed this. He says, do I have to prove myself to you again? Or do we need, as some, letters of commendation or really letters of recommendation to you or from you? Paul is saying that, that the Corinthians were giving off this air that, that in order to be somebody, somebody needs to write a letter about you and say, now that is a somebody, right? And so these letters of recommendation, Paul is saying that there were others that were coming to them with these letters. And, and actually, you'll learn if, if, as you read uh, this, this scripture, this passage, this book, that they were false teachers, that the false teachers had letters of recommendation. And the people of, of Corinth were saying, where are your recommendations, Paul? Prove that he's using you. Why should we listen to you? Why should we trust God's work in you? We've, given, uh, we've been given so many reasons to doubt that God could use our lives to impact the world. Right? Isn't that true? We look around us, and, and typically, it's not people encouraging us saying, you know what, God's working in your life, God's doing some neat things, continue to follow him. Sometimes it's, what are you doing, right? It's, oh, why are you following that God of yours? You know, what is it that, that makes you so special? And, and then we tend to be a main source of discouragement about what God can do with our lives, don't we? You know, we kind of get that mindset as well. What can I do? How can the God of the universe, Almighty God, do a mighty work in and through me to get his plan done, to share the good news with others? And Paul is not going to let us get away with it. He's saying, you know what? You've got to rethink your mindset about what it means to be accepted and to be used by God. He says in, in that verse, uh, you are our letter, written on our hearts, known and read by all men. It says, you want some, uh, a letter of recommendation? It's you. God has worked in your lives through us. And how does he do that? Uh, you know, we have all these excuses that we use, and God wants to accomplish something through you. You know, maybe you would say, God can't use me because I have a past. And I would say to you, we all do, right? That's why Jesus came. And you might say, no, no, really, I have a past, a past, right? But God's word says, no, really, <laughs> I have something I want to share with you. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. I don't know about you, but that's good news, right? If, 
if I have this past, if I have these things that, that I would say I don't want anybody to know about, right? I, I'm living in, in this, uh, I, 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 don't, I don't want people to know about where I came from. God says, no, no, I want to use a life like yours. And the amazing part is that God often redeems those experiences of our past in ways that he can use to reach others that are struggling with life too. He uses you to declare, I forgive. You know, when somebody sees God's work in you and the struggles that you faced and how God has forgiven you, they say, well, maybe, just maybe God can forgive me too. Maybe you would say, you know what? God can't use me because I don't have the resources. I don't have the money to be used by God. I don't have, uh, you know, I want to go on a mission trip, or I, I want to give to, the, to those in need, but I don't have it. And you know, I just think, what is it with Americans and this idea of money equals ability? <laughs> Isn't that true? We think, okay, if that person has money, they must be doing something right. And if that person doesn't, they must be doing something wrong. We often think that for God to be able to use my life, it will take resources that I don't have access to. And some people have wrongly taught that if you're doing life God's way and, and He's using you, your blessing will be evident financially. You will be well off. It's how God is going to say to you, good job, you're on the right track. But in truth, that's not God's desire, that's not God's central desire for our lives. In James chapter 2, verse 5, uh, James says that I want you to be rich in another way. I want you to be rich in faith. It says, listen, my beloved brethren, did not God choose the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom which he promised to those who love him? You know, if, if you are struggling financially, and you would say, you know what, I, I want to be used by God, but during this time, I just can't be because I don't have the money. You can actively demonstrate God's faithfulness in your life in a way that others with resources will never be able to do. Those who, who would say, I've been blessed by God with, with my finances, and, and no doubt, blessing comes from our God, right? But this is another way that God shows, God demonstrates, God uses our lives to be uh, uh, his declaration of his faithfulness. Because you must depend on him for every day. Isn't that true? And he will use your example, the way you come to that, he will use your example to impact others. Just look at the example of the widow in, in Luke chapter 21, verses 1 through 4. You know, the, the disciples were, were uh, just watching as people were giving their offering, as they were giving their act of worship to the Lord. And, and one of them, I, I don't think it was a, a bag of gold, but, you know, it was about the, a bag of gold. It was a lot of money. And, and they, they said, wow, Jesus, did, did you see that? That is amazing. You know, God is really going to use that. You know, God is going to use uh, a gift like that in a big way. 
how generous, how amazing. God uses that person. And Jesus draws their attention away from that person and, and to the widow. says, did you notice the one who gave two pennies? And we say, whoa, whoa, what's that going to do? How's that going to keep the lights on, right? How is that going to propel ministry forward? How is that going to be a part of, of what God is doing in this area? And what was amazing is that she was demonstrating her complete reliance on God. She had given up her last meal. She had given up everything that she had. And it wasn't like, okay, uh, today is Thursday and, and tomorrow is Friday and tomorrow is payday, so I'm going to go ahead and give these last ones and then I'll get paid tomorrow. It'll all, it'll all be good. No, she was, she was saying, look, I don't know where my next meal is coming from. I don't know what's going to happen in my life, but I do know that my God will take care of me. God isn't looking for someone to sponsor his work. He's looking for you to be faithful in what you have. Now, I know that's not how you dreamed that God would use you, right? Isn't that true? I don't, I don't go home and go, man, God, can you, can you please use me by giving me nothing? <laughs> but there is something special that he can tell the world through you. He declares to the world, I provide. Maybe you'd say, God can't use me because I don't have the words. <laughs> I don't know what to say. You know, if, if God's going to use me, I better be eloquent. You know, I better have, have it all together. I better, better have this great presentation, or at least I better know how to put a sentence together, right? Maybe you'd say, I don't like getting up in front of people. I don't like hearing my own voice. I don't like leading a small group. I don't like having that pressure on me. And you and Moses would be good friends. Because in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, the man who was supposed to approach Pharaoh and boldly proclaim, let my people go, was looking for a way to get out of it. He was, he was avoiding what God had called him to do. He said, who am I? What? God, you can't use me. You don't want to use me. You want to use somebody who is important. You want to use somebody who, who can, can just, you know, get up and, and, and uh, speak and, and declare and all those things. He says, what am I supposed to say? I don't even know what I would say. I don't even know if they would listen to me. He says, did you, did you see the mess that I made before when I spoke up? Back in, back in Egypt, when I, I said, uh, uh, I tried to make things right with, with the Egyptians and with the Jewish people, and man, I made a mess. And then he throws in there, oh, did you also know I have a, dif a difficulty with my speech? Do you know I, I have a speech impediment, Lord? So you can't use me. And as God talks back and forth to him, I love what, he, what God says in Exodus 4.11. So the Lord said to him, Who gave human beings their mouths? Who made them deaf or mute? Who gave them sight or makes them blind? Is it not I, the Lord? He says, Now go. 
I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. So many times when we look at, can God use me? It's not our strengths that he's using. It's our weaknesses that he wants to use to declare his message. You know, before uh, um, I was dating Patty, before uh, I had ever met her, she and her mom, which uh, her mom is here with us tonight, they came to visit our school. Uh, and, and it just happened to be my class, my speech class that, that I was in. And, and I, don't know if, I don't know if you guys remember. I know Patty does. But uh, I, I remember standing there and all I had to do, okay, all I had to do was read a scripture, okay? That's it. I didn't have to memorize it. I didn't have to have it, you know, a great presentation. I just had to read it in front of people. And I have to tell you, my knees did one of these the whole time. I mean, like, you knew that something was going on and that that wasn't how it was supposed to be, right? And you know, I have to tell you that every time I come before the Lord and His Word, every time I come before you, I say, okay, God, you're going to have to do it. You're going to have to use my weakness. You're going to have to use my difficulty. And, and you know, that's not just standing up in front of people. It's also as we go and share His Word, as, as God has declared to us, Share it with your neighbor, share it with your friends, share the good news of what he has shown you, what he has declared to you. He says, you know what? I know you're afraid. That's why I want you to do it. Because it's not about your strength. It's not about your ability. It's not about your power. It's about mine. It's about trusting the power of the message, not the strength of the messenger. You know, in a time of future persecution and difficulty, Jesus promised his followers that he would give them the words. You can look at it in Luke chapter 21, verse 15. And this is what he says. He says, I will give utterance. I will give you the words. He will use you to share his message and say to the world, I declare. It says, this is what God has to say to you. This is what God has for your life. This is the passion that he has for you. This is how much he loves you. This is what he did. He sacrificed his son, Jesus, on your behalf to pay the penalty for your sin so that you and God could have a right relationship forever. We say that God can't use us because we don't have strength. No, I mean, I mean, really. You know, how is God going to use me if every movement is a struggle for me? If the body that God made for me isn't working as it should? You're not alone. You know, I think about Paul. And Paul speaks about a, a thorn of the flesh in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. And, and it's not really clear if it was a physical malady or, or maybe another struggle. Or maybe it was even related to the constant physical persecution that he was experiencing. But there was something that was ongoing, uh, an ongoing situation that Paul didn't have the strength to, to deal with. And you know what? Many would say, 
God can't use me. I can't even get past today. And he asked God three times to remove it, to rid him of this struggle. Lord, would you rid me of this? Lord, take this away. Lord, I can't deal with this. And God said, actually, I'm doing something through it. I want to use you and what is happening in your life for my glory. I want you to see my strength. I want you to know what I can accomplish through your weakness. I want to amaze you. And not only you, but, but I'm going to use you as an illustration for generations. He says, my grace is sufficient for you. How many times uh, has that verse been an inspiration to your life? How many times has that verse been a strength for your life? And it's because of what God has accomplished through Paul and his sufferings. If Paul didn't suffer in that way, if he didn't have that struggle, would we have this verse to share the hope of his strength? of his sufficiency. My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. In Paul's response, he said, you know what? I would rather boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. He says, therefore, I am well content with weakness. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Right? And, and you know what? Some of you are there right now. You're in the middle of that. Well content? And maybe some of the rest of us don't understand that, right? Therefore, I am well content with weakness, with insults, with distress, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, I am strong. You know, please know that I realize, as with all of these things, with all of these weaknesses, with all of these ways that we say God can't use us, that just because God will use it, it doesn't mean it's easy. It's wearying, isn't it? It's difficult. It's a struggle. But have confidence that he will use your life for his glory in a special way that can't always be demonstrated through the life of someone who is always well. And in spite of and because of your weakness, he will show his strength. You know, Job, the whole book, I mean, he was a righteous man. And from Everything, including his health, it was taken away from him for an extended period of time. And he was in anguish day and night. You can read some of the descriptions of, of what happened to Job, and just reading it makes me hurt. <laughs> it wasn't like it was just, okay, I got a cold, I got a cough, I got something going on, I just can't get rid of this. And God used that difficulty to demonstrate his ultimate strength. 
God didn't tell him to muscle through it, man up, just do your part, strengthen it, and we'll get through it. <laughs> said, no, allow me to accomplish something in your life, in you, that will speak to the world for ages to come. He says, I am your strength. And that's the message that God wants to share with your neighbors, with your friends, with those who you uh, are around, with those who you go to school with, that God is your strength. There's many other reasons that we can give, many other weaknesses that we would declare, God, you can't use me because of this. And I would encourage you, take the one that you're using and look to God's word. Look at what God's word has to say about your weakness. Just really briefly, just a couple, God can't use me because I don't have influence. Just read the book of Esther. This girl who was basically a slave, God used her to save a nation. And it wasn't because of her influence. It wasn't because she had, had climbed the corporate ladder and, okay, she was in a position for God to use her up here. God did something. He took her from here and brought her here to influence a king for the good and for the salvation of a nation. Maybe you would say, I don't have the education. You know, maybe if I had a PhD, you know, then God could use me. I want you to look at the example of the disciples. Fishermen, people who, were, who had skills in their craft, but what did they know about convincing or sharing a message that would change the world? What did they know about it? Nothing. It was God's strength through them. Maybe you'd say, you know, I don't have the maturity. I don't, I don't have the, I'm not old enough to make a difference. I'm not old enough for God to use me. I think of, of Mary, the mother of Jesus. Do you know what people thought when she told them that she was pregnant? But she allowed God to use her life anyway. What many would con- consider a weakness, God brought strength and salvation, didn't he? And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, Paul says to Timothy, let no one look down on your youthfulness, but rather in speech, conduct, love, faith, purity, show yourselves an example to those who believe. And what I love about this verse is, is many times we, we use it to talk about you know, maybe youth who God is using and, and they are showing an example to us, right? But this verse was actually being spoken to a 40-year-old man. It says, don't let somebody look down on you because of your age, because of your station, because of who you think you are. He says, be an example Let me be your strength. I want you to turn back to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And we looked at the first uh, three verses where Paul was talking about 
he was kind of defending himself and saying, God, you're right. God can't use my strength. He actually wants to use my weakness. And he used that in your life too. He says in verse 4, such confidence that we have through Christ toward God. I love that word confidence. In the middle of our weakness, in the middle of our struggle, there is confidence in him. He says, not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves. He says, you don't work up yourself into being awesome, (laughs) right? That's not God's plan. That's not his purpose. Are we adequate for his work? No and yes. It's not that we are adequate in ourselves to consider anything as coming from ourselves, but our adequacy is from God who also made us adequate. So when we say, God, you can't use me because blank, we're saying, God, I'm not adequate. And he says to you, I know, but I made you adequate. And many times the way that he does that is through our weakness. You know, we have these images in our mind of what it looks like to be used by God. And we often uh, portray them as these big ways that he wants to use us. You know, maybe you think of, of a missionary. Man, they, they did a big thing. They, they gave up their job. They gave up their time. And they went overseas. They went across the world to share the gospel. I want to tell you, those missionaries will tell you, no, I'm not adequate. I'm not sufficient. It's because of the weakness that God uses in me. You know, we think of growth group leaders or ministry leaders and we say, wow, God's really using them to bless others. God is really doing something in them. And they would say, look, I'm just one of you, right? I have the same struggles that you struggle with. And, And even, actually, I have some weaknesses that you might not have, that God is using in my life to do his work. You know, we think about those leaps of faith, right? And many times, yes, God wants to use use you in one of those ways. He wants to use your life for his plan, for his message, for his glory. But instead of position, he uses experience, weakness. Instead of strength, He uses our struggles. And many times, God wants to use us right where we are. In the job you have, in the school you attend, as a part of the community you live in, in your relationships and in your friendships, in your marriage, as a father, as a mother, as a son, as a daughter. He may change what some of that looks like, but he will never change his promise that he will always use people like you and me for his plan. Father, we come before you tonight and we say, who is adequate for your work? Lord, we say, not me. But Lord, you use 
things in our lives that many would discount, that many would say disqualify. And Lord, you say, I'm going to use it. I'm going to use their life. I'm going to make demonstrations. I'm going to declare my word. I am your strength. I am your words. I am the one who forgives. Father, teach us, show us. Lord, in the midst of our struggles, we look around us and we see our weakness. Lord, help us also to see your plan, to see your purpose. It's not always fun. It's not always easy. But Lord, you do accomplish amazing things through us. You declare your good news through us. In Jesus' name, amen.